0: Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show! With your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay! Good
1: afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, where it is actually gorgeous outside. Get one of those rare weeks where, you know, it gets really cold night, but by the end of the afternoon, it's drop dead gorgeous outside and uh, clear blue skies, just beautiful day outside. Wish I could enjoy it, but I've been busy commissionering all day and doing various other things. And now I'm doing a radio show. But we're not here to talk about the weather so much as to talk about all sorts of things that are happening in, in our county, our state, and the nation. And we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about, because the whole point of this show is to get folks call in and change the topic if they want to talk about things that are on their mind or comment on things I'm talking about. So if you want to get in on the conversation, just dial 646-721-9887. Press 1 at Let's Robin. My call screener and producer extraordinaire I know you want to get in on the show again at 646-721-9887. Just press one. So lots to talk about today. And, you know. Holy, whatever, you know, cap spend and tax. Uh, we've got three of those bills now in the in the uh, Oregon legislature. The uh, House just introduced their version of that Um And there was already a governor's version and a Senate version. So that makes three versions of the uh, cap, tax, and spend. um, Because they really, uh, the House explained introducing their version is they wanted to be more transparent, provide more process. So they're going to have one hearing on a 177 page bill. (laughs) And then expect that to be satisfying everybody. It's like, why don't you let the voters vote on it? You know, know, why are you in such a rush? Why are you trying to push this through? It's like really interesting. So, and tempers are short up there. Uh, The uh, House Republicans didn't show up for an evening session that was hastily scheduled um, by the speaker last night, which is kind of a rare thing. And to punish those that didn't show up, she took away the chairmanship uh, from one of those Republicans, the co-chairmanship of a subcommittee of ways and means, but an important one, because it may be one of the ones that has the cap, tax and spend bill go through it. Hmm. And he thinks there might be reasons why they were pulling Republicans off committees. Um, so, uh, you know, that bill continues to have legs up there. Does it matter that, you know, nearly 10,000 people showed up to, against it and only You know, a little more than a thousand showed up in favor for that rally. Um, Doesn't matter. They're hearing from those folks daily. Doesn't matter that they don't have any economic analysis of the impact of that to the state government or to the state economy, let alone what it will do to local governments. You know, we're going to be spending money on this as Lane County because it's going to raise all of our costs to provide services for the people of Lane County. Can you imagine what it's going to do to concrete asphalt costs for our uh, roads department? What it's going to do for the, you know, the cost of um, you know, gasoline and other things that, you know, for our service providers, for our deputies to drive around, you know, it's, it's going to cost us more, but there's nothing in this bill to compensate local government for that additional cost. So it's an, a hidden unfunded mandate to local governments as part of this bill, let alone what it's going to do to some of the rural economy, and particularly my district. Um, It's going to really hurt the timber industry because the timber industry, you know, is pretty energy intensive in the harvest and milling process, pretty carbon negative in the growing process. But, you know, to get those logs out of the forest and into the mills and mill them, and then move that, that lumber to, you know, the, the end sales people and, and then put it in your house, all that takes energy, and this bill will raise the cost of all forms of energy. Um, in addition, you know, my district, you know, on the coast has become heavily dependent on tourism, and and that's because they basically have shuttered, several mills down in the Florence area because that area was dependent on U.S. Forest Service timber harvest, which has gone almost to zero on the Siuslaw National Forest. So there's virtually almost nothing coming out of the forest there that's not private uh, forest. So those mills that were down there along the Siuslaw River, as you drive to Florence or drive, you know, Highway 36 a little bit north of um, upstream of Mapleton, you can pass Five different mills that have been closed down in that area and because of that and the lack of um, any sort of you know there's you know the salmon cannery has gone away a long time ago so there's no real fishing industry down there florence has become dependent on two different things for its economy tourism and retirement you know and as you raise the cost of living, it makes us a less desirable state to retire in, particularly seeing our tax structures getting even less desirable. You know, I mentioned that how much you need uh, or, or how much .dot um, net website at the end of my last uh, Bose Nose show, and we are one of the most expensive states to retire in across the entire U.S., you know, in the top five nationally. So, That's going to, you know, if we keep going that direction, you know, that's going to hurt Florence as a retirement community. In addition, um, you know, they've made us dependent on tourism. Well, how many people are going to drive all the way to the coast when gasoline goes up by another 60 or 70 cents a gallon? And also, how many people are going to go out and actually take their OHVs down there, you know, in their toy haulers where they're getting – you know, 10 to 12 miles to a gallon in their pickup trucks pulling those things, then pull out their, their OHVs and ride the dunes when gasoline jumps up by another 60 or 70 cents a gallon. That piece of the tourism economy that deals with the duneless riders contributes over 120 million a year annually to the central Oregon coast, central and southern Oregon coasts. You don't think raising the cost of gasoline is going to impact that industry and hurt my district down there? Because, you know, that's really that tourism down there in Florence has a lot to do with the, the Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area and the the dune riding down there. It's got a lot to do with folks that haul their RVs over there and, and camp at the various campgrounds like Haceta RV Resort that i stayed in last weekend with my uh, RV. So uh, it's, it's a bill that is going to really hurt my West Lane district, not to mention what it's going to do for the, the seed farmers out around Junction City and the, driving up the cost of their everything they do the inputs to growing and getting a crop in, out of the ground, which, by the way, farmers are pretty damn smart people. They've got a lot of gray matter. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that because um, farming is no longer um, a non-technical activity. You know, most of these uh, large uh, pieces of farm equipment have GPS and computer controls for them. So they, you know, can, you know, uh, very carefully put in just the right amount fertilizers on fields and, and not waste it and, you know, get the seeds planted in correct spacing and, and, keep the rows straight across, you know, huge fields. Uh, you know, it's, it's very computer driven. You know, the soils testing that goes on and tracked and, and, you know, even to the point where they will change as they go across the field, they know that the soil in one area needs more fertilizer than another. Those computers can actually track and change the application amounts as they drive, you know, so it's just incredibly technical now to compete as a farmer in the US because the margins are so close on that and there's so much risk involved in just the weather alone let alone you know weather's good everybody has a bumper crop and the crop prices drop you know you know the commodities might change for some reason other than that like oh say some you know virus that breaks out in a foreign country and and kind of slows the uh import market in that country (laughs) you know those are all things farmers have to deal with you know just as technical as the timber industry is it takes gray matter to be a farmer michael bloomberg so um you know this cap tax and spend bill really is just a horribly bad piece of legislation moving through our state legislature and you know it just it it just amazes me some of the things that are going on up there, you know probably one of the ones that just makes me scratch my head a little bit is they passed a bill first it was just gonna be for the the metro uh police um that police the uh metro um system up there the buses and the uh that that boondoggle called uh light rail um up there. They passed a bill out of the House um, of Representatives of the Oregon State Legislature that will prohibit those law enforcement officers for that transit district from asking people whether they actually paid their fare (laughs) and and taking action against people for non-payment of fare. And At the last minute, they amended the bill to make it applicable to any transit district across the state. So now they just passed a bill out of the House that's basically ride the bus for free bill. Um, And yet, you know, we've got all of our transit systems talking about how they need more money and lane transit districts that's altering routes and closing down routes because they don't have enough money to continue to run some of their less um, utilized routes. Uh, you know so it just now we're gonna you know basically handcuff those transit districts from making sure people actually paid for paid their fare, even though their fares don't really cover you know their cost. The average fare in the mass transit systems in Oregon only covers about twenty percent of the cost of the actual bus ride. Yet they're not even going to be allowed to ask that person whether they they paid their 20%. Us taxpayers pay the rest, particularly businesses, because we pay a payroll tax for a lot of those, and also now you know part of your gasoline tax is subsidizing mass transit in the state. Um, and there's a statewide payroll tax um, now that goes towards mass transit, so it's not just those of us that that have a business you know, within the transit district, even if you're outside the transit district and have a business, um, you're paying a payroll tax that supports mass transit, but we can't actually ask the actual riders whether they've paid their twenty percent. Your legislature in action. And if you want to, you know, make things even worse, there's a couple bills banging around there on gun control that just make me nervous. Um, I'm a gun owner I have a concealed weapon license as a Lane County Commissioner I have had serious death threats made against me serious enough that they've had FBI and and local police investigate them uh, so I carry and uh, one of these bills would would remove the prohibition from local government being able to declare you know their buildings off-limits for concealed weapon carry, where there's a statewide prohibition on that, which makes it really easy for me as a concealed carry to know that there's only a few places I'm not allowed to carry my weapon. I can't carry it into a courthouse in this state. I can't carry it into a federal building or post office. Everything else I can pretty much carry into, unless it's private property, and the private property owner says they don't want guns on their property, they're allowed to do that. Um, but generally it makes it fairly easy to understand when you're legal, or not legal in the state. If they start allowing every school district, every, you know, um, local, you know, local government's pretty broad in the state. Everybody can determine whether their buildings are going to be gun free zones. And they attach to this a five year prison sentence for violating that, this rule. Um, which is more than the average most uh, breakfast get, which is four and a half years. Um, You know, that's going to criminalize a lot of law abiding people that just aren't aware that whatever jurisdiction decided that particular building, you know, is a gun free zone. So it's just really a bad, bad bill and it's not going to keep anybody safe. In fact, if you look at that one church shooting uh, down in Texas, It was the parishioners that had concealed uh, weapons that actually stopped the shooter within six seconds of when he started shooting. How many times are you going to get a police response within six seconds? Name the last time a a legally concealed weapons license carrier actually committed um, violence with his handgun can't can you this is a this is a a bill looking for a problem to solve that's going to criminalize a bunch of people and make it really difficult for concealed weapon uh carriers like myself to know when i'm legal and then when if you find out that you suddenly can't go in a building and you need to enter that building you know then you're stuck with do i you know do i store my weapon in in the car? Cars, you know, are notoriously easy to break into, and because you have to go back to your car, possibly, it's easy for somebody to see that you're stashing it. It's just an invitation uh, for bad things, which leads to the lockdown bill, which has this stupid idea that any time your gun is not in your absolute personal control, it has to have at least a trigger lock on it, or a cable lock to the barrel. Now, neither of these devices uh, you know can stop you from actually loading the weapon you know completely uh and depending on what the weapon is um but the trigger lock in particular doesn't stop you from loading and chambering around now think about this you're going to put something over the trigger that goes through the trigger if that thing's loose at all or jiggles and you're able to actually load a magazine and chamber around And you've got this device that you then have to unlock, you know, possibly to to get, you know, that accident waiting to happen or what, it's an unsafe bill. Not to mention it doesn't make particular allowances for um, people like myself, no children in the household. Um, I've got a fully fenced yard, four large dogs, an alarm system on my house. I'm not allowed to actually have my gun accessible to myself and my wife, in my house, under that bill. And then, and then it makes you a criminal if you're victimized. If, perchance, somebody comes in your house and steals your gun safe and breaks it open, which has happened multiple times in multiple places, gun safes are just like anything else, they can be uh, defeated. And then somebody uses that weapon in the process of crime, it makes you liable for that. makes the victim of a criminal act a criminal. Somebody steals your car and runs somebody over, are you liable for that? Because more people die by cars than guns. But, you know, I haven't heard them, you know, do a vehicle lockdown bill. And then also maybe make it legal for uh, local jurisdictions to ban vehicles in in certain areas, you know, <laughs> without really defining you know what those areas are and clearly being able to see that. So just a couple bad gun bills up there in the legislature too bouncing around. It's one of the reasons why I'm kind of looking forward to maybe the 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 supermajority will push things just a little too far and the minority will walk from Salem and, and take vacations in Boise and other places and um we'll stop all this madness now because it seems like the supermajority is truly abusing their power up there in Salem kicking people off of committees uh setting hearings with moments notices you know uh, dropping 177 page cut and stuff amendments to a bill that, the evening before the hearing on that, and then moving it out of committee that day, tell me everyone on that committee read all 177 pages in that 24 hours. So, you know, lots of fun stuff going on legislature. And just to stay with them just a little bit longer, there's a bill up there, House Bill 4001, which uh, would provide some uh, funding for, some of these homeless shelters of which Lane County might actually get some of it. Now folks might remember that there was this court decision in Boise you know, that involved the city of Boise, the ninth circuit court that the Supreme court decided not to hear. So it has standing as, as setting president It basically says um, cities, can't arrest people for sleeping in public areas if they don't have a shelter for them to go to, a non-religious shelter. Um, so it puts a lot of burden on cities to try and provide these shelters so they can enforce any of their non-camping and public property rules. Um, House Bill 4001 has a lot of support across the state because it kind of it does, it's going to kind of help solve some of that problem and provide some funding for cities to set up these shelters and start, you know, resolving some of that issue and maybe dealing with some of the, um, you know, the camping in public and some of the, you know, issues that come along with that when people are actually out where they don't have facilities and everything else. And, you know, we don't have to talk about that too much, but somebody got the bright idea to try and stick something in that bill that would have codified um, the Boise uh, court decision, not knowing whether the court decision will ever get changed by uh, follow-up cases or might get taken back up by the Supreme Court. I mean, they denied hearing it this one time, but it can be challenged again. Um, And they were actually going to put something in there that basically would have really um, made a state law Following that court decision, which would have just been a bad thing to do. But uh, fortunately, somebody came to their senses and it got pulled out of the bill because it was, it was going to make cities that actually wanted to set up shelters have to oppose the bill because it would have put something in state statute that is causing every city in this state, a huge problem, including the city of Eugene was, was considering pulling their support for the bill because of that piece that was getting stuck in there. Um, That's just, you know, crazy stuff happening up there. But, you know, if there's something you've got going on with the legislature, I just want to remind folks, you can get in on the show at 646-721-9887 if there's a bill you want to talk about. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Speaking of homeless and camping and all that stuff, Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that Elkhorn protest and that the the Elkhorn Brewery um, and Stephen Sheehan, who's the owner of that, that um, his business was vandalized a couple times. Um, He's been dealing with all sorts of issues on his property around really a lawlessness. It just turned out that the person that got arrested for the last time his business got vandalized and turned out she actually was the second time she vandalized it is homeless. You know with Stephen, the issue is about the lawlessness he, he he was actually homeless himself at one point and worked and got himself out of that situation and now is an owner of a business
0: in Eugene
1: paying taxes as just asking the city to help with the lawless aspect of what's going on in Eugene, not focused on on homeless people because there's plenty of lawlessness that comes from housed people, and that one house that was busted in Whitaker was a perfect example of that over five years had over 70 calls for the police to the same house. And when they finally went in there and cleaned it out, the police went in there and arrested everyone that was living there. Every one of them had warrants. Every one of them was involved with drug dealing or, or property theft of some kind. They found all sorts of stolen property inside the house. Those folks were all housed, but that was a a very lawless situation that wasn't being dealt with for five years. That's got to change. But this elk, this last week ago, two weeks ago, last Saturday, there is a protest at the Elkhorn Brewery that happened at dinner time, six o'clock in the evening. A group of about 20 people come busting in there. One of them's got a, a bullhorn, you know, one of those handheld uh, megaphones, and uh, is, you know, reading a proclamation out loud, you know, about how bad Wake Up Eugene and Stephen Sheehan and Elkhorn are because they're um, criminalizing the homeless and picking on the homeless, which is not what that that, that group is about. It's about the lawlessness, not the homeless, and um, just terrorize the, the patrons there. Of course, they left fairly quickly because they knew if they stayed more than 10 minutes, the cops were coming because that was one of the first things the employees did there. And, of course, they showed up when the owner wasn't there either. Um, but uh, it turns out it doesn't look like the city of Eugene's going to press charges on those folks. Now, mind you, these people were jumping up on tables. They hung a big banner. They were forcing, you know, uh, handheld um, uh, handbills onto people that were at the tables. According to the employees, there were kids so frightened they were crying you know, they had come there with their parents to have a, have a meal. And these folks show up, you know, ble- blaring on a, on a bullhorn, you know, basically terrorized the, the patrons. My understanding is there are not going to be any charges filed against those people, even though they've been identified. And in particular, it's apparent that the leader of this group, is a University of Oregon professor, and those were his students that came along with him. Now, I'm wondering if there's some pressure from the U of O with, with Eugene, the city of Eugene, not to press charges with those folks. But, you know, flip this around. What if the folks from the, the Eugene Wake Up got together? Held a protest at one of the camps that's occurring along the sidewalks of Eugene, and, and showed up at six o'clock in the evening after dark with a bullhorn and started you know handing out handbills to everyone that was there at the camp and and reading aloud from a bullhorn, wait, you know, disturbing everybody. I think maybe there'd be calls from everybody in the city of Eugene government that that was some kind of hate crime and those people should be prosecuted for hate crimes or, and, and how that was intimidation and, um, you know, just a horrible thing, not to mention the fact that Elkhorn's private property and that camp is actually out on public property. And there is some free speech rights, although I don't know if you can, you know, blasting a bullhorn at people camping is a free speech issue. Um, but still, it would just, you know, people would be absolutely outraged. Say it wasn't, say it was on private property. Say they went on to one of the sites where they're hosting um, a camp and, and did that. People would be outraged. So I just, you know, it just bothers me that the, it seems like the folks are going get, to get away with having terrorized, made children cry and and terrorize the business. But I hope everyone will go to Elkhorn Brewery and have dinner sometime because they really, um, they've got some good food and they really um, need your support. And I, you know, I made a point of going and having a meal there last week. um, And I'm asking folks from the Bo's show, show your support for Stephen and his business um, and and go and have a a meal there sometime. Good food um, and good times. So uh, I think we have a caller on the line. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris,
2: welcome to the Uh, Bozno Nose sir Chris. What's on your mind? Hey, Commissioner. Uh, The Elkhorn homelessness and things that I've talked to you and our fellow commissioners a lot about. How are you doing, Commissioner? I'm
1: doing well, Chris, and it's, Folks don't know. This is uh, Chris McAllister, and you're with. Um, I, I, I'm going to mess up the name. Onward, or is it? What's the name of the Carry group? It forward, Carry it forward, guys. Carry it forward. God, I wanted to say onward or forward, something really forward, and I just uh, I was messing up the name. Carry it forward. Yeah, which is a great nonprofit that's providing services to folks on some Lane County property up up there off of Highway 99, and and throughout the community. So um, go ahead, Chris.
2: Sure. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I'm calling as with my citizen hat on uh, as opposed to uh, my official capacity. But I also serve on the Poverty and Homelessness Board representing homeless and former homeless person when we try to advise on how to best um, mitigate some of the issues that we're facing and also try to find solutions that serve our community. And so um, this Elkhorn protest thing has me really split. And I uh, heard your comments, and uh, I listened to your show when you had Mr. Uh, Stephen on to de- describe his experience as homelessness. And, and I really feel like there's a, a big difference between what he did and what the protest camp did and what 90% of our homeless people in Springfield, Eugene, and rural Lane County are experiencing. And so I just really wanted to call that out, because I don't know if you recall this, but a couple months ago, Some people who were on patrols went and shot up a bunch of the homeless camps along West 11th and along the the parks with BB guns and paintball guns. And uh, when there was attempts to try and find justice justice for this lawlessness, they were told, well, you shouldn't have been there. You have a choice to be there. And so um, some of the people that were targeted were disabled people who were discharged from the hospital. Um, Some of the people who were targeted were some of the women who had just escaped domestic violence and had nowhere else to go, but they were not at the protest camps. They were not in the problem areas. They were just out where they are supposed to be, waiting for their spots to open up in some of the camps. So we just got those uh, new beds at Dust till dawn opening up, and 50 of them opened up two days ago. And people are flooding over there because there's opportunity, because there's not a whole lot of opportunity for the majority of our homeless people who were not at Jackson's camp. They weren't at the protest at the shed last year. They weren't at the Elkhorn. A majority of the people don't participate in a lot of this stuff. But a few
0: and people with very have targeted
2: problem. interest. Yeah, I don't Was have a problem sir? so much with – sorry,
1: I, I don't have really a problem with the protest camps, and I don't necessarily think that Elkhorn cares much about the protest camps as much as they care about the, the vandalism to their business. Um, and I you actually spoke sir. up about I actually spoke up about that shooting at board meeting, the the the, the BB gun shooting. The, the the next board meeting we had, in fact, it it was a, I, I was the only commissioner that even knew about it. Um, that, yes, sir. That that was something really wrong to do. It's you know that it's, it's like you know those folks, um, and, and you know I'm aware of this. Not everyone that's homeless is lawless, and not everyone. Yes, sir. That all is, is is homeless for certain. In fact, there's mm-hmm. a good portion, like describing that there's folks that are housed that are very lawless, and we need to deal with that. I've, you know, I did, particularly out here in some of the rural Lane County, where I've got um, houses houses that are in foreclosure with people living still living there, and uh, those folks are known for being the source of most of the property crime and and drug dealing in the area you know so um sure. and they're housed you know um but you know i i, I will say it, I, I agree with you that was that that action that you know whoever those hoodlums were that that decided to to shoot bb guns and paintballs at homeless people that's that's not called for either and i and i don't think sure. that um steven would support that either
2: Sure, I don't think so either. However, I also watch the Eugene Wake Up page and watch the conversations, and I see people not targeting lawlessness. I see people targeting homeless. I've been to a couple city of Eugene and county meetings where people from that group have come and spoken, and they were they were really expressing their feelings, their concerns, their fear, but they were also dominating conversations sometimes that didn't actually reflect on the topic, and so they were occupying and and protesting in that and preventing some of the good work that the county staff and city staff are trying to do to re- mitigate some of this stuff because there's a lot of fear and anger in that group, and people are lashing out. And when they say lawless, they, don't, they aren't saying lawless. They're saying homeless, those homeless bums. Um, I have, I, my staff have actually been insulted because we were mistaken for homeless people, and people did not know that we were actually there to help and solve the problems. So I really think that we need to really carve out a safe space to have this conversation like what started out at the beginning of Eugene Wake Up before it went into this smaller group that gets to pick and choose who comes and goes. That said, I really appreciate the uh, the stewardship that the county has been doing in trying to make these conversations happen. And I really think that the solution is integrating our communities into the entire solution process, not being able to pick and choose what we want in this community and what we don't want in this community when we know the needs are there. I know that I told you the story about the gentleman who died that we took care of. He was on a fast yeah. track to success, but then he fell out and there was no way to capture him. So we have to really build safety nets. And I think that your, your talk about the ONC dollars uh, is uh, using the Oregon and California County dollars for positive things. We could build housing with those dollars, sure. We can really utilize those dollars when we get our voice back by being able to ask for more of our our federally uh, um, collected dollars for those forests. But we need to use them in a way that actually builds towards our future. Because right now our plan doesn't account for 90% of our people who are being priced out or pushed out due to economic and other things. And they have all their stuff too. A lot of your gun argument applies to a lot of the rights and needs of the homeless people too. Because they don't get to go where they need to go or where they should go. They end up being in compromised spots where other people get at risk. So I just wanted to say thank you for continuing yeah. to speak out on some of these issues.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I agree with you on, on much of that. And I'm actually getting ready to talk about ONC lands here uh, shortly because um, that was one of the topics I wanted to get to next because I've got a couple uh, exhibits I'm going to be showing over my shoulder um, if, on the Facebook live feed. Um, but, yeah, it is, you know, there's a, a lot of facets of homelessness. Um, what I was mostly wanting to talk about was that that, that particular protest at Elkhorn and and the, the trespass that was involved, the intimidation that was involved, and how how wrong that was, just as wrong as it was to shoot paintballs and BB guns at people, you know, yes, you know although that, that's assault this was just mere intimidation and trespass. Um, and if it had been done against any group other than a bunch of people in a restaurant, you know, if it had been against some protected class would it have been considered a hate crime. You know, so it, it, that, that's what I'm trying to, I, I agree. Both actions were wrong and some, and, and we need to, to um, separate the issues somewhat. There's, there's a, an issue about law enforcement and criminality. And then there's a separate issue about homelessness and, and dealing with that providing services. And uh, I appreciate the work you guys are doing and really happy that you're able to utilize that piece of property on 99 as, as a base. And um, you guys do good work.
2: Thank you very much, sir. And uh, have a good rest of your afternoon.
1: All right. Thanks for calling Chris. So you see how Chris McAllister was able to jump in the conversation here on the Bose nose show at six, four, six, seven, two, one, nine, eight, eight, seven. So if you want to, you can do the same thing. Six, four, six, seven, two, one, nine, eight, seven, nine, eight, eight, seven, just press one, get in on Bose nose show. So I want to move from the Elkhorn protest and that stuff, because he did mention ONC money. And I want to get to that. And if um, uh, you want to put that, first exhibit over my shoulder for the Facebook live folks. um, It's a historic graphic of the ONC payments that were coming to Lane County in 2020 dollars. So it's been, you know, whatever we got then inflated up to 2020. And you can kind of see back in the seventies was the real heydays of receiving money from the ONC prior to the recession. And then the spotted owl issues And from about 1988 on was federal payments in lieu of harvest because the harvest fell off so bad. And you can see that there was a, a uh, step down in those payments. And then in, in uh, about uh, 2001, the uh, secure Rural schools act passed and that was, you know, re-upped for less money basically every year. And then uh, it had a five-year taper down and we've been living off of, of, a 40% or less of of secure rural schools and it's been tapering down 5% every year. I don't have the out years on that, but you can see at one point we were up in the, you know, close to 50 million a year average in the seventies coming into our general fund. And now we're 4 million a year in today's dollars. And if you want to go to that second um, graphic there, Robin, Robin, it kind of it just goes back you know um, by decades, sort of has the averages. This one shows in in the uh red colors the o and c money coming into the general fund, the blue colors what's coming in from u s forest service into our road fund, which I don't think will ever truly recover you know um, so I'm not talking about that I'm talking about that red portion that comes into our general fund because that's what we have discretionary choice to use for everything from r- rural patrol out there in, in rural Lane County, where it can take more than an hour to get a, a deputy to respond to an active assault call to, um, you know, our ability to fund things like the operational costs of running, um, permanent supportive housing, you know, it's fairly easy to kind of get capital money and build housing. The hard part's to fund running the housing. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's year over year operational money. And um, even if we were to get back to where we got 20 million a year in ONC funds, um, that would be a huge amount of additional money in Lane County. You know, I, I, I could, I could hire a lot of deputies, um, you know, staff the DA's office the way it should be staffed and still have money left over for mental health professionals and, and staff, other staff needed to run permanent supportive housing well to really help people um, get beyond their um, situations uh, of being homeless and, and move them on permanently to, to, you know, more productive lives at, in uh, our society. That's the, the Owen C. Land's contribution. Mm-hmm. Hey, sorry. I'm trying to I have a cat and two poodles in my in in my studio <laughs> and one of the poodles is misbehaving. Um, that is Louis, better better known as Lucifer.
0: Is that is that one of your constituents? Yeah. Everybody has an opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, he just got called out.
0: <laughs> Squirrel. That
1: doesn't help all the time. So um, you know that O and C money could be so beneficial to Lane County, but we've let the federal government completely get out of their obligation under the 1937. Oregon California Railroad Lands Act which is where they kept those lands in federal ownership with the promise that they would harvest timber from those lands at a minimum of 500 million board feet a year but it says sustainable which is sustainable harvest from those lands would be 1.2 million board feet a year and they basically um have not done any of the harvest they should be doing. They're not, they're barely getting 200 million board feet, not even that. Um, And we're getting these substitute payments because that level of harvest is actually lower revenue coming to Lane County than the $4 million we're getting for the SRS payment. So we take the SRS payment instead. The one organization that is advocating for the ONC counties, and they're unique to Oregon, they don't occur anywhere else, is the association of ONC counties. Our board, our new board majority, last year chose to pull us out of that organization because they just, you know, didn't quite like them because they, they feel like they advocate too much on the harvest side for their taste, which, you know, they, they actually, our board has a seat on that board that they could have put one of their new, mem- new board majority members on. And they, you know, decided to pull us out of that and stop making our dues payments to it. Yet this is the one place that same board majority constantly talks about how they want to resolve housing issues and they want to do this and do that. This revenue could be doing those things but we're not participating in the one organization that might be able to get this revenue back. No, we're never going to harvest $70 million worth of trees like we did back in the seventies, that one year. Um, And there's really no desire to get back to that level of harvest. Getting back to the 500 million is doable and could support more than 20 million a year in services in our general fund, probably more like 30 to 40 million. Think about, you know, what that'll do to prevent us from having to go to taxpayers to pay for these things, because eventually that's what's going to happen. That's what Commissioner Sorensen held a work session that he asked for last week was about how could we raise revenue to support housing? And his ideas were property taxes and Uh, construction and permit fee increases that would go towards a a housing fund of some kind. They could be using O and C revenues for that, but they took themselves out of the one organization fighting for those revenues. And uh, an organization that helped us get back millions of dollars in sequestered money that was sequestered unnecessarily and, and, and illegally but it was that organization alone that figured that out so you know our dues of we've made up our dues paying for that or you know the into that society into that association just with the sequestration money we got back so you know as you hear people like chris talking about everything we need to be doing for the homeless and some of them are, are really important things, like the permanent supportive housing, where we're making permanent change and doing intensive case management for those folks, not just enabling, you know, um, folks to to stay homeless, uh, actually moving them towards permanent housing. Um, that stuff takes money, and the O and C would be getting those lands. In Lane County, the federal government owns, to actually be productive in paying their fair share towards the services that Lane County provides. That's why the whole ONC Act was set up was they recognized that we could not collect taxes on federal land. So they were going to harvest timber and pay us 50% of those harvest receipts for us to provide local services on that land we couldn't tax. So next time you hear you know a county commissioner in lane county talking about how they'd really like to do this but we don't have the resources ask them about why we're not members of the association of C counties and why we're not pushing for our oregon and california railroad lands owned by the federal government managed by the bureau of land management to be either harvesting or setting up some way of paying their fair share $4 million a year is not their fair share of taxes. Historically, it should be somewhere in the 30 to $40 million range. It needs to get back to that, and there is some good legislation that actually Senator Wyden is a co-author of and co-sponsor. Him and Senator Crapo from Idaho put together some legislation that would fix some of these problems, set up a trust that the federal government where the trustees would have a fiduciary responsibility to meet the obligations of the ONC Act, um, That's would be very important and, and a long-term solution that that you know would get us away from you know an annual vote of whether they're going to include that in the budget or not. So really need land county commissioners get us back into that association so we're back at the table in the conversation. 'Cause unless we're a member of that association, we're not at the table. So everything gets tied back to that revenue. When we lost that revenue was when we had to cut our subsidizing of our permit department and our parks department and make them standalone departments that have to, you know, fund themselves. So our permit fees and, and land use fees are higher than any jurisdiction in the area and any county in the state. Our Parks Department is way behind on maintenance, millions of dollars behind on deferred maintenance because we had to cut them off to where the only funds they get are either from user fees like for camp, overnight camping uh, and parking fees They get money from the car rental tax, and they get some money from the state RV tax from the state of Oregon. That's it. They get no general fund. So if you're wondering, rural residents, why you don't have law enforcement, good parks, and why permit fees are so high and take so long, ask your commissioner. Ask Heather Buck east lane county commissioner why she doesn't support us getting back in the association onc counties we had another 30 to 40 million a year in revenue we can fix those problems don't know if we can fix all our problems things have gotten more expensive over the years but we sure fix a lot with 34 million a year without asking for you to raise your property taxes without raising the cost of housing by putting on a construction excise tax. That's the direction we need to go. We need to get back to here, when the federal government used to pay their share. Not way over here, where the federal government's paying nothing. So climb down off the soapbox for a minute. And I just wanna let and it's the first time I let Robin know this. I am going to be in Washington, DC area next week during the Bose Nose show, and I will be flying back from DC the following Wednesday. So I am hoping maybe I can do a shortened version of the Bose Nose show maybe next week and give you a quick report from the belly of the beast, uh, so to speak. Actually, I'll be visiting family the first part of that week, so I won't have a whole lot to say from Capitol Hill. The, the, from Friday through the following Wednesday, I will actually be at the National Association of Counties Legislative Conference, which they also do a lot of lobbying to Capitol Hill during that time. So even though I'll be flying back from D.C. during the Bozno show um, that first week of March there, Um, The following week, I'll give you a full report about what's going on in D.C. and my trip back to D.C. on the Bowes Nose Show. But next week, I'll probably do a very very short update maybe uh, on the Bowes Nose Show because we're going to be talking about some interesting things like the uh, performance auditor and uh, uh, airports and other things at at the uh, Board of Commissioners next Tuesday which I'll be telephoning into uh, from back East uh, uh, for that particular. So it's like, even though I go take a couple of days to go visit family, I'll still be a commissioner because uh, you're never not a commissioner. So I was trying to look at my little list of things I want to talk about today. And I've rolled through a whole lot of stuff and, just want to remind, folks, we got five minutes left in the Bose Nose Show, so you can still get in on the conversation like Chris did. Change the topic to anything you want, 646-721-9887, and just press 1 if you want to get on the conversation. That's 646-721-9887. Just press 1 if you want to get on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show, and uh, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I know Robin wanted to talk a little bit about red light cameras and uh, speed trap cameras or whatever you want to call them that Sandy Jean's thinking about going ahead with. You want to bring us up to to speed on that, Robin?
0: Well, I just found this out today and one of the local television stations commented on it. Um, Salem, I guess, is getting three more red light cameras, and these cameras have the ability to also record your speed. So they're saying that if you're doing 10 miles over, it'll get you for speeding. And I guess the Eugene city council is considering that, uh, for the Eugene area, uh, Springfield is not at least according to the television program. (laughs) Puppies. Puppies. Anyways, um, I'm this not an advocate for, uh, which
1: means it's feeding time.
0: <laughs> I'm not an advocate for Robocop. I, yeah, in my opinion, and uh, in the opinion of uh, friends and family who have been in law enforcement, you don't you don't catch felons by taking a picture of them and, e- and mailing them a, a citation. No, no.
1: Yeah, I much prefer actual police presence. You know, there's, there's a lot to be said for that.
0: Um, Also, the opportunity to face your accuser.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm just getting pestered to death here. (laughs) In the last minutes of the Bo's Nose Show, what people, you know, folks that are fans of the Bo's Nose Show know I have standard poodles, but probably what they don't know is normal feeding time is 5 o'clock. So towards the end of the show, they sometimes get
0: a little antsy. You're saying that the show has gone to the dogs.
1: Yes, the show has gone to the dogs here. (laughs) And the cat's still sleeping in front of the radiator.
0: <laughs> oh, hello,
1: <laughs> hello, Louie. Oh, he <laughs> say that again. Talk to Robin. <laughs> should
0: Should I mention the S word?
1: Uh, he's not as in tune to it, but you could try. All right, squirrel. Nope, they didn't quite. They didn't quite get it. Squirrel. Now he's sort of looking. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. Ladies yeah.
0: and gentlemen, the Bo's Nose show has gone to the dogs. Yes,
1: it has. They're calming down now. Yeah. Louis left the room. Louis who's better known as Lucifer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or Louie Loudmouth.
0: Um, <laughs> anyways, no, that that's something uh Portland's got it, Salem's got it, FERD has it. And it's we we don't want it. Yeah. We,
1: I, yeah, I managed to get myself one of those tickets up in the state of Washington a few years back. And I turned red on 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 a red. I turned right on a red light, you mm-hmm. know, right red, and didn't see the. It was right off the highway. I was going to try and find a gas station. I was almost out of gas because I got stuck in that damn Seattle Tacoma um, traffic. So I turned off the highway. in in a little town there and you know they had a separate right turn lane so it seemed like and there was absolutely no traffic coming and so you're looking to the left well they had a sign up off to the right that said no no turn on red that you don't see and i made the right turn of course and i get the ticket and you could see in the photo they sent you absolutely no traffic (laughs) yeah so it was a perfectly safe turn but but it was posted, and I didn't see the posted sign. You know, it's just like, that seemed like entrapment to me.
0: Well, yeah. and also um, shortening the duration of the yellow light, where this quote-unquote engineer got in big trouble for doing a time study.
1: Well, and, and they basically said you can stop most red light running by adding a couple milliseconds to those those yellow lights.
0: Exactly. Yeah
1: people enough time that, and what they do a lot of times when they install those cameras is they do the opposite they shorten the yellow light
0: yeah and what a lot of people don't realize is that the the cameras the city and state does not own the cameras it's a private private company that owns it and the city and state and counties or whoever uh contracts with them gets a percentage and once they take a picture then it's supposed to get forwarded over to law enforcement who then decides to follow through in the mail, and the registered owner then has to prove whether or not they were the ones and um, they can contest it or say, no, I wasn't depending on how good the, the picture was.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is one of the reasons why I tell folks, you know, ask me about, you know, speeding out some of our rural areas, why can't we use um, speed cameras and all that, is they do require somebody to look at the damn film. Yeah. They, they can't just automatically send you a ticket. A law enforcement officer has to review that and make the decision to issue a ticket or not.
0: Uh, so, in Portland,
1: and then that's the person that goes to court if you actually take that ticket to court.
0: Right. Well, in Portland, when they had the the bans, the speed bans, uh, the Oregon law is pretty specific on their use. They can only they can't do it on a major highway. It has to it can only be done in certain times. It has to be posted within so many feet of the van, there has to be a reader board saying your speed, which is usually in the back window and you can't read it anyways. And then by the time you do read it, smile.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, I, you know, it was in the UK uh, about a year ago um, and we did a fair amount of driving. Uh, went all the way out to Cornwall back in the, in a big bus with the tour and uh, all the UK highways have photo radar. Yeah. But they have signage that says you're coming into a photo radar zone, you know,
0: yeah. so,
1: so you know and um, but it it's really interesting because the the variation in in speed from the slow lane to the fast lane is maybe uh five to ten miles an hour there. You don't see a lot large variation in speed so it's it it was interesting. You know, being out on some of their major highways there, and then even their two-lane highways have photo radar. People are pretty good about doing the speed limit there because Big Brother's watching all the time. And I tell you, there's a lot of government-owned um, uh, security cameras in the in the in the cities there. And, you know, the the Big Brotherism is so much more accepted in Europe than it is in the U.S. You yeah. Know, People think those trailers that EPD has is bad. It, you know, they just have security cameras hanging from almost every street lamp out there.
0: Oh yeah, if it's stationary, if you stand too long, they're going to put a camera on you.
1: Yeah. Let alone you know, when I was in China almost ten years ago, that was, incre- you know, that was before, you know, security cameras got cheaper and cheaper. They had them everywhere.
0: <laughs> well, and let's not talk about. I mean, if we can do a whole show on that. But- was it China or Japan where they rate you? Everybody has points, uh, and the lower it—I forget the, what the technical name is—but uh, um, if your behavior is bad, you you get lower points, which also restricts um, your travel.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I that's, bet. Probably China. Yeah. But, so, but again,
0: that's a whole nother show.
1: Yep. Which we're pretty much done with the Bose Bo's No Show here today. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week probably for an abbreviated version of the Bo's Nose Show coming to you live from the East Coast of the United States, somewhere outside of Washington, D.C. And I will uh, bring you up to date on what's going on there. And I'll be, then I'm going to probably miss the show or have to redo the show on Thursday of the following week. Well, I'll talk to Robin about that. But next couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the East Coast. So... Mm-hmm. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.